Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today again with our frequent guest, Sarah Hawley, who is a public health nurse and owner of Minnesota Child Care Health Consultants. And she works every day out in child care settings, helping all of you really follow those healthy guidelines and expectations that create success for kids and families and for all of you as staff. So Sarah, welcome. I'm glad you're back. Yes. Thank you for having me back. This is great. That's wonderful. We always appreciate all your insights. And so today we're going to talk about a topic that will be very interesting, I think, to those who are caring for children in a childcare setting, but also for families, grandparents, anyone who spends time with kids, because we're going to talk about encouraging healthy foods and eating habits, everyone's favorite topic for children, (laughs) or maybe not. Yeah, well, it yeah, it can have its ups and downs with picky yes, sort of thing, but it's important, so it's a good thing to talk about. So I'm happy to be here to discuss it today. Yeah, and I think that's where we're going to start. Is why is it so important? I mean, when we think about young children, why is this topic important to talk with childcare about? Right. So good nutrition is basically, I mean, it's critical really for brain growth and development, um, especially in a child's first few years when their bodies are growing really fast, they're developing rapidly. So children need the nutrients found in healthy foods to grow and develop. Um, Good nutrition, it always helps children stay at a healthy weight. It helps to prevent childhood obesity as well as other health problems. And we know that being overweight is a risk to both physical as well as mental health. So, so much to it. Um, And then, you know, an unhealthy diet becomes a risk for other diseases, you know, heart disease, liver disease. You can have um, oral health problems, uh, tooth decay um, can lead to certain kinds of cancer. And it's really much easier and less costly to prevent these diseases um, than to deal with them later once you have them. So really good to focus on good nutrition um, from an early standpoint, early on. And food preferences, they develop really early, early age. Yeah, even in infancy. So beginning good nutrition from that young age helps to establish lifelong eating habits, hopefully, as the goal. Right. when you think about, you know, kids and childcare nowadays, a lot of them spend their majority of their day at childcare. So they could yes. be receiving half, maybe up to 75% of their calories um, in childcare. So that's where, you know, childcare providers can play a huge role in, you know, nutrition and helping to keep kids healthy. That's for sure. And I think that that's really, it's kind of an awesome responsibility when you think about it, when you just said that 75% of their calorie intake is get is getting to their bodies and into their systems while they're under the care of childcare providers. And so it's so important, I think, for us who are caring for young children to understand really the components of how do you do that? How do you make sure that you're providing good choices and that you're also modeling healthy mm-hmm. attitudes about food, which is really important too. Yes. And so how, how can a provider really do some of those really important critical pieces in the yeah. day? 
Yep. So you're right. Child care providers do. They have a super big impact on children's health and really an important influence on their eating habits um, and, you know, just their attitudes around food and eating and mealtime. Um, just with those kids potentially spending a lot of their day in child care. Um, and children, you know, they often look up to their teachers, their child care providers and kind of model their own habits, including eating habits on watching others. So providers can help, um, you know, just first off by offering healthy meals and snacks and then also modeling good choices themselves as well. You know, if kids right. see them eating things. Um and I think, you know, when you think about child care providers, especially if there's multiple providers, say, in a center, I think the first thing is training for the staff, um, you know, having good policies for the staff so they know what the philosophy is, what are the requirements, and then offer them really good training on those policies so that they're aware. Right. And I think, as you were saying, um, when we when children are watching their caregivers eating, it really makes an impact on their habits and what they see as good foods or okay foods. And in many centers today and in family child care for sure, the, the early childhood educator is often eating with the children. So eating their lunch, taking their lunch break, especially now with staffing shortages. I've heard that on you know often that lunch breaks are not happening when they used to or not giving folks opportunities to be away from the children when they're eating their meals. So they, and in some sites too, children or the, the staff actually eat the same thing. If there's a lunch program, they yep. actually eat lunch with the kids and that's an okay thing to do. But I think modeling their responses to things, making sure, and this would go to that training piece, making sure that they're going to put those vegetables on their plate and they're going to eat them too. They're not just going to eat the other stuff on their plate. I think that's a great point that you made about staff training, because that's when those things can be addressed. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I, and I do want to touch base a little bit, I think we'll get to it, but um, on like family style dining and yeah. you know, when staff do eat with kids. And I, I think that's going to be part of our conversation a little bit later. But I think with staff training, first off, you got to have nutrition policies. Um, and really you need staff policies and then you need parents policies. Mm. So staff policies, um, well, and staff and parents, really, it's going to let the, them both know that nutrition is, you know, really of the utmost importance and that you care about the health of your staff, the health of the children and the program. So it's really going to kind of set the foundation or the expectation if, of what is done nutrition-wise at the program. Mm -hmm. And then with that, it's really important to make sure that the child care providers receive training on the nutrition policies and the requirements. Um, you know, we mentioned that before. And also, then they really need some just basic background knowledge on nutrition, just basic nutrition. Mm -hmm. So in addition to training them, I think on the policies, you know, that are around, you know, the program policies, there are other trainings that you can find for child care providers on nutrition. Okay. Um, and then a lot of those will offer continuing education credits for staff. Oh, nice. Um, so that's one idea. And then I would think with parents, too, you've got to have parent policies, Right. Um, but that's just, that's so important too, because it just kind of explains, it lays it out there for parents. Like this is our approach. It really sets the groundwork with the expectation of what is done nutrition wise yeah. at the program. And all those nutrition specifics should be included in the policy. And that's everything, you know, yeah. from menus with what is served to 
when it's served, what is served, um, you know, as far as breakfast and lunch, and do you offer a snack? Is that in the morning or afternoon or both? So lay out the provision of meals and snacks um, and then, you know, let them know that there's licensing requirements to be followed. Um, but just letting them know, you know, when the meals are, when they're offered, um, just so parents know what to expect. And then incorporating the requirements for the license holders um, that they have to follow too, so that parents and staff aren't surprised later, you know, just that they they know, you know, right. what's going to happen. And I'm curious too, with I, I think there's been so much, so we've learned so much more about building a child's healthy eating habits and how our responses can make a difference in how that child kind of lays the foundation for future healthy eating. And so I would think that when you're educating staff and when you're sharing information about with parents, at the same time, you would also say, this is how we're responding to, you know, we're not forcing the clean plate club or all of those kind of old ways that maybe people were encouraging children to eat. And we've learned so much more now about how to build a better variety of choices for kids into their day, how to build in more vegetables to make them more exciting, all those things. But I, I would think that sharing that same information with parents so you'd almost want like a mirrored training yeah. opportunity where you might offer a family night where you could say, parents, come, we're going to talk about healthy eating, maybe invite a nutritionist to talk or, or a public health nurse to talk it through. I would think that'd be really important for families to reach out and, and get that information. Yep, I completely agree. And, you know, the month of March, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like National Nutrition Month. So that would be a great thing to do, like an annual, a yearly, you know, um, open house or a health fair yeah. or something like that based around nutrition. And that's a great idea to have a public health nurse come out or have a registered dietitian or mm -hmm. someone familiar in the area. And I'm sure there's all sorts of resources, um, you know, from the USDA that you can get things on, but yeah. that is, it, it would be best if, you know, kids kind of see the same things going on in the home as well as childcare. But um, I think to speak to that too, train the staff, I think is is really, really important because, you know, maybe they did grow up with some of those things like you have to, you know, you don't leave the table until you finish your plate. And so just yeah. make sure that everyone's on the same page, having that in your policies and then to offer additional staff training, I think is really, really important. And as you said, there are great resources out there. So why don't, why don't you tell us some of those resources about that, that can be used to educate staff and families? I know that yeah. you have some good ones. Yep. So um, the United States Department of Agriculture, so known as USDA, tons of um, resources on that site. Um, licensing has requirements, um, both family child care licensing, which is 9502, and then child care center licensing 9503, both have requirements for meals and snacks. Um, and you can find those. I won't get into those specifics, but they're in their licensing um, language. And basically both of those require that well-balanced meals and snacks are offered daily and must include servings from each of the basic food groups. And all of that comes, it's defined by the USDA. Um, those are often referred to as the meal pattern requirements, which those, those, are, those come from the USDA, but they're based on recommendations by the National Academy of Medicine and the current uh, dietary guidelines for Americans. So those would be a couple other sites. So USDA, National Academy of Medicine, their nutrition 
section and then the dietary guidelines for Americans because those, you know, are they're the ones that put forth those recommendations for the meal patterns. And then USDA issues the meal pattern requirements, which is basically just a set of food components with minimum quantities required for meals and snacks for specific age groups of children. And then those last got updated in 2017. Okay. Um, they hadn't been updated, I don't think, ever since they first came out. But now they include um, a bigger, like kind of like you mentioned, a more uh, bigger variety of vegetables, fruit, more whole grains, okay. um, less sugar and saturated fat. And in Minnesota, actually, when it's, when food is provided by a licensed child care provider, the meals and snacks served, they have to comply with those meal pattern okay. requirements of the USDA. So they're really important. Yeah. Uh, you can also find those on the Minnesota Department of Education website has those. Well, that's great. And I know that there are also, there's programming um, that there's support. And you, it's an acronym, C-A-C-F-P, <laughs> but I, they, I've heard them speaking at different events where there's a wonderful array of some curriculum options that can be, be built into the daily learning and education of children that's even beyond mealtimes. It's just, so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and what, what, yeah, how that yeah. works? For sure. Um Yep. So that's, it's through the USDA and it's the Child and Adult Care Food Program. So it stands for C-A-C-F-P. So Child and Adult Care Food Program. And it's a federally funded program. It's through the United States Department of Agriculture. So it's through the USDA and child care providers that sign up to participate basically serve healthy meals and snacks to the children in their care. And then they can receive financial reimbursements for doing so. Um, participation is actually an indicator of quality childcare. So really, really important. Um, you do have to be eligible to participate. So in Minnesota, it's any licensed family childcare provider who's in good standing and serves meals that meet those USDA meal pattern guidelines. So any of those family childcare providers can participate. And then for centers, it's any licensed nonprofit center or for for-profit centers, it has to be where at least 25% of the children in attendance each month are from low-income households. Okay, okay. But even if you don't meet that criteria, if you're a center and you don't have that 25%, you can still go on like the CACFP, the U USDA website, or um, there are program sponsors, like Providers' Choice is a big one. You can go on their website and there's tons of resources, free resources and menu planning and activities to do with kids. Um, I, I mean, I would definitely encourage if you qualify to participate, but if you don't, you could still pick up some resources from them. But there's tons of benefits to participating in CACFP. That's for sure. That sounds great. And I know I've heard some of the descriptions of some of the things they provide as far as group time activities and different learning opportunities. And it's wonderful. So yeah, I would highly recommend that. And thank you for letting us know about the fact that it, it's accessible, even if you don't qualify. However, we would hope that you'd be that most centers would be serving children from low income homes as well and, and helping yeah. with those needs in our community. Um, so if we think about, you mentioned earlier, and we started to talk about it a little bit, when we think about, um, I think you said something, you, we were talking before we started recording about the education support, and so we'll expand on that a little more. Can you tell us a little bit about something called My Plate? Oh, My Plate, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that would be a great thing to use with kids for education-wise. Um, you can find it at, um, it's choosemyplate.gov. Okay. And it's the colorful plate. It's divided up by food categories. So, you know, it has, I think it's red for fruits, grains is orange, purple is the protein, vegetables is the green part. And then it has like a little round blue, which is the dairy, like where the milk would go. Okay. And it basically just shows that how to make a healthy plate. It introduces kids to health benefits of eating healthy and helps them understand what all that entails, how to make good food choices. Um, and hopefully, you know, by starting them young and getting in that pattern, it will carry into adulthood. Um, there's tons of free activities on that as well, that choosemyplate.gov. There's actually, I noticed I was on there recently, and there's a whole curriculum for preschool students that is nice. literally like turnkey for child care providers. Like, Wonderful. it's like step one, step two, step three. Like, it'll tell you literally, like, you need red construction paper and this, and there's worksheets okay. in out and really good things. Um, they, they have like scavenger hunts and then, you know, pick the fruit and place it on the plate, just tons of activities. So yeah, it's, it really simplifies it. It's a good visual. It's just perfect to use with young children. I just think it's easy to understand. It makes it kind of fun too. Right. Well, that's great. So when we think about most child, many childcare settings, family style dining is really how they eat their meals. And so when you think about that process, maybe tell us a little bit more about that defined slightly and, and what, what about that is good for kids and how do we make sure that it really is beneficial when you go through the family style? Right. Yeah. So basics to family style dining. Um, yeah. Some people might not be familiar with it, but it's basically where adults sit at the table and typically eat the same foods as the children. Not always do they eat the same foods, but typically, I've seen it both ways. It's ideal when teachers and students eat the same foods, um, but not always does that happen. But um, and one thing I will say is when the children and staff do eat the same foods, um, I think it's great, even if the staff person can't eat something or doesn't like something that they still put it all on their plate and they just yes. don't even mention like, oh, I'm not going to eat the peas. I don't like them or anything like that. Right. They just right. go along with it. Um, and then during family style uh, dining, hopefully they're eating the same foods. They're eating, sitting at the same uh, table. It just gives them a chance to talk with the children about the foods that they're eating. They're role modeling healthy eating during the meal times. You know, I mean, just simple conversation like, I, I love blueberries in the summer. You know, they taste good. They're refreshing. Bananas are my favorite. They give me lots of energy. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and the kids typically with family style dining will serve themselves with limited help. So typically like the spoons are slotted for, you know, to dish up a half cup or whatever the minimum serving size is. And it's just a really beautiful thing. It's, you know, the staff person sitting at the table, it's, it's safety wise. It's great too. It helps right. from feeding each other and sharing food and choking. And um, I just think it's just, you know, the teachers just, just show kids firsthand right there and they're just modeling their healthy choices and making making a mealtime just a pleasant social environment around the table. Yeah, um, that's wonderful. 
Yeah, it's just, I just think it's, you know, it opens it to pleasant conversation at mealtime and really good role modeling. That's great. And it also allows for there, because of the conversation flow, there may be one child that says, oh, I don't like peas and another, and then the adult at that table can say, oh my goodness, well, you should talk to so-and-so because look at the, the peas on her plate, they're gone. They disappeared. Where did they go? And then, you know, you just kind of help kids see that their peers are enjoying these things and it's not anything. And because sometimes peas, not to slam peas, but the texture can be a little bit tricky for some children. They don't like that squishiness, but I think, or, and then the the adult can say, Oh, we had peas yesterday, but they were mixed in with this, or we had peas in that other thing that you really like. And and it allows for that conversational ease about what really is healthy eating without saying, you eat your peas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just really normalizes it. You know, I think t- kids are going to tend to try new foods if they see their f- teachers or their friends trying it. And, you know, if they don't, I think you just have to be really patient. There's research that shows it can take 10, 15, 20 times, yes. you know, put a food in front of a child and, you know, hopefully eventually they will accept it. But you just keep trying. Um, you offer it to them. Don't it or anything like that. But like I said, I, I think it normalizes it. It's like, oh, my buddy Joe over there is he's eating the peas and my teacher likes them. And, you know, nice. just you just have to be patient and keep trying. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, again, it creates that opportunity for positive role modeling and just, you know, even for language skill development, you know, just the conversation at the table to talk with each other. Um, and it teaches kids too, when they're serving themselves too, it's, you know, to learn about each food group and portion sizes and, um, yeah. And hopefully, like I said, I hope that, you know, the programs will have the, offer the staff the same food if they have a food program there, just, it avoids, you know, the staff eating unhealthy foods too. If they're offered their lunch, you know, avoids them having maybe the candy or chips or soda in front of the kids. That's the last thing we want. Agreed. And it keeps them healthy as staff and we need healthy staff. So (laughs) all the way around, it's good stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think, and of course, we kind of talked a little bit about it, about some of those, some children, of course, they're going to be, I mean, I guess the term would be picky eaters because they may be, maybe they have an aversion to certain textures. Maybe the flavors are a little overpowering. And so when that happens in do you have any tips? And I, and I would love to say too, that we would, this seems like a really good podcast to continue on is just totally yeah. talking about picky eaters and what we do and how we can help them change some of that behavior. But do you have any insights? Yeah, I think just by offering a variety of nutritious foods and, you know, there's always those established um, favorites, you know, my, I know my kid's favorite lunch at school is uh, pizza day. And, yeah. you know, that's always once or twice a month. Great. So that's those established favorites. But by offering a lot of different variety of nu- different nutritious foods, you can cycle the menus over three to four weeks. Um, helps prov- provide variety. Um, you mentioned this earlier, I think, with vegetables, maybe like the colorful foods. Yeah. Um, cutting things into shapes, you know, broccoli trees, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Just varying textures might help, too appeal to, you know, kids' palates. Um, You could try food from different cultures that can make it more interesting, you know, coordinate a lesson on a culture, especially if there's a student there from that culture. 
yeah. um, sharing foods from that. Um, I think family style dining helps too. I think that's one of the benefits of it just with kids um, serving, you know, the meals or the snacks. Um, it just might, they might buy into it more, might increase their interest, you know, if they're serving themselves. Right. Uh, and again, kids do as you do. So we want to set examples um, and then, like you said, too, we don't ever want to use food as a reward or a punishment. Right. Um, you know, just gently encourage, but don't force children to try the new bite of food. Um, right. You know, that can lead to problems later, potential overeating, weight problems. And kids really are, they're, they're okay to regulate their own food intake. They, they're right. capable of that. Right. So I just think you have to be patient and just trust children to you know, to eat. And then when parents and caregivers, the childcare providers do their jobs with, they provide the healthy food at scheduled mealtimes, children will hopefully do their jobs with eating. Yeah. Um, you know, basically the childcare providers just, you know, they choose the healthy foods, they prepare them, they provide regular meals and snacks at regular times. Those should be known to the families and the staff so they know what to expect. Um, make the eating time as pleasant as possible and stress-free and then give the kids ex- a good example. And, um, you know, hopefully yeah. they'll, they'll get on board. I think you do have to be really considerate that kids are young and they don't have all the food experiences or, you know, that we do. So, you know, you don't want to totally cater to their likes or dislikes, but I just think just be patient with consistency. They'll get it. Right. And your point about offering something, you know, 13, 14, 10 to 14 times. I remember learning that very early on when I was teaching and, and it really does work. Yeah. It, you know, if you put that broccoli on the plate, every time you serve broccoli, even though the child's saying, I'm not going to eat it, well, it's still sitting there. And they eventually, because it's there, one of those times they're going to pick it up and take a bite and it, they may not devour it that time, but the next time they might take a bigger bite and it's still there. It's not you saying, oh, you don't like it? Okay, I'll remove it. Nope, it's just part of the meal. It's part of the plate. And and I think, you know, the tips that you've shared with us today, Sarah, have been so helpful. And it, it really is spurring me to think that we should do, it'd be kind of fun to do uh, like a panel of a nutritionist, a pediatrician, and you would come back and we'd talk a little bit more about eating habits and food and how that's so important to really get that right for young children. Would you be willing to do that at another time? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that would be good. And I was just thinking when you were talking too, just at the end there with the picky eaters, you know, at the family style dining too, to have, I've seen like little pictures out, you know, the child size tongs. And I just think if kids can serve themselves, they just, they might buy into the food more. Like they might feel really proud, you know, you can put little, Dips are a good thing too. put like dressings and dips in like little child squeeze bottles, you know, yeah. dip veggies, um, dip their veggies in little dip cups. Um, I think all of them help. I agree. And I really do think having them be the independent server of themselves and, and really being in tune to their own bodies. And we're teaching them that really early and to eat when you're hungry and to choose healthy choices. So thank you, Sarah. Once again, you have been a wealth of information, and I know that people will appreciate this podcast. If you want more information on other topics related to health and safety, infant and toddler care, or inclusion of children with unique needs, certainly go to our website, inclusivechildcare.org. And we at the CICC try to be as responsive as possible. So if you feel like we're missing some things on our website as far as resource needs, please reach out to us and let us know. Thank you again, Sarah, for being with us and we'll see you next time. 
Yes. Thank you, Priscilla. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.